Welcome to Adventures in Marketing. I'm Caleb Wines. And I'm Chris Kent. We're two industry veterans who will be having conversations all around marketing and media, what we've seen in our careers, what we see happening currently, and how we think it's going to affect the future of the industry. What does it mean to be productive at work? It used to be that you work nine to five, five days a week, if not more. But the pandemic changed all that. Or did it? Where we work is no longer a predictor of how we work, or more importantly, how productive we are or can be. Today, Chris and I discuss the return to office movement and the challenges and tension facing both employees and employers. So Chris, I was getting my daily dose of my email this morning and I got the exec thread newsletter from Joe Meyer and in there, he was talking about work from home and how the juxtaposition between where employees are at and where employers are at in terms of being at the office. He was saying personally that he'd rather work from home. He finds that in his words, that the work from home environment is much more productive and hassle-free among many other benefits. He even posted, uh, according to LinkedIn's latest workforce confidence index survey, which measures over 9,000 workers, just 39% of employees would prefer on-site work with most nearly 60% opting for more flexibility like hybrid or a remote work environment. Unfortunately, he writes, many employers are ignoring employee preferences as evidenced by the fact that in August 23, nearly 55% of U.S. employees worked mostly on-site, with only 25% working remotely, and merely 18% having a hybrid schedule. So this is a huge topic, and it's been a huge topic since the pandemic sort of ended about a year ago where a lot more people are trying to get back into the office, or I should say employers are trying to get their employees back into the office. But why? I think that there's a lot of benefits to working remotely, and I just wanted to use this time to talk about it. This is a very hard one for me, because I do think the answer is very personal to the, your position, meaning position in life. Do you have young kids? Are you a single parent? How far is the commute? Does the job you require to do something that you could do on your own from home? Um, do you have to be in office to do it? I will put this up front. My personal point of view on this is for me, I miss being in an office. Since we basically went to COVID and work from home, I have been either starting or working for small businesses and everything's been remote. I miss the days of actually going into the office. For me, that was something that really got me I would say more efficient in what I do. Yeah, I think that there is definitely a bell curve when it comes to people who want to be in the office versus people who don't. And if you're not familiar, basically you have at the one end of the bell curve, you have people who only want to be at work five days a week. They don't want to work from home. It's not their thing. And the other end of the bell curve, again, a small, tiny population are the people who only want to work from home. They'd never want to see the inside of an office ever. And I think the, the the top part of the bell is 
people who want some kind of flexibility. And some people want to be in the office three days. Some people want to be in one day. And I think everything in between. I definitely think that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach that businesses should be taking because every worker is different. You know, just when I was reading off those statistics that I got from that newsletter this morning, it occurred to me that are they counting people that have to be at their job at work? Like if you're a cashier at a retail establishment, that shouldn't count. I think we should only be talking about people who have office jobs where it is possible for them to do remote work. And I think that that is the crux of the the issue. I have a friend who said to me, if your job is to work on Excel 10 hours a day, you don't need to be in an office. But if your job is to collaborate with other people and ideate and come up with different plans, then collaboration is useful. And you should be in the office at least a little bit where you can meet with other people and come up with new and interesting ideas. And I agree with that. I mean, at the end of the day, I do think it has to be some sort of a hybrid type of resolution. Where I worry, and again, this is, I've been stuck at home for the past three years. I worry about how it builds and extends company culture because your culture is the culture of your house or wherever it is that you're working remotely from. I wonder how it builds I guess company loyalty is the way I'd put it, right? Like, why do you feel like working at X location is so great, so important? Because you're basically working from home. And so I, I just kind of look at these things. And I th also think, as you talked about, I'm the type of person who loves to be creative, loves to talk with people, get perspectives, bring it together. Because right now, how I have to do it is I have to send out 20 emails. I have to wait for them to respond. I have to wait to get information from them to put everything together, as opposed to just saying, Let's just do a meeting. But then it goes back to too many company cultures. We're just meeting after meeting after meeting. And so people are like, well, if I'm just going to be doing that, why not just do it from home on a Zoom? Yeah, I think you bring up a, many great points. I mean, number one, culture happens at work. You, you can't really have a work from home culture. But to your other point, if all you're doing at work is you're in meetings eight to 10 hours a day, that's not really building culture either. So you need some kind of a balance. You need balance at, at, at the workplace and you need balance at home. You know, the other thing I wanted to unpack was the idea of productivity. When I'm at the office, I feel like for me, I'm far less productive, meaning that I get interrupted all the time and I have get sidetracked on stuff. And the output that I have at the end of the day is far less than when I have a lot more solitude at home and I can focus on stuff. I think I gave you this example when we were talking the other day, but when I'm at the office, I'm taking like an hour lunch. I'm going out, I'm getting food, I'm talking with people, I may be getting a coffee after lunch. When I'm at home, I eat in 15 minutes by myself and I'm back at work. So I think that there's a lot of things that go on in the workplace that are unproductive, chit chat in the hallways, you know, coffee breaks, et cetera. Whereas at home, I don't have any of those distractions. And how I measure that is how quickly I'm able to produce work. And when I'm at home, I'm able to produce work a lot faster. What you lose on the other hand is all the collaboration and and things to do with other employees that, that can help improve the work that you're producing. 
Yeah, see, that was going to be my kind of retort to what you said, which was, okay, fine, you're taking an hour of lunch every day, but you're probably taking it somebody from the office. And if you're working on something that's got you stumped, you might bring it up as a topic of conversation, be like, hey, I'm working on this thing. I'm trying to figure this out. How does this sound to you? What's your input on it? In fact, the person you're having lunch with might be working on it with you. So technically, while you're going out for lunch, because you're getting away from the computer, you're still, quote unquote, thinking, doing the work because you're still talking about it. I know I get kind of obsessed with things this way. So sometimes having that break, like at home, does give you a different perspective, which allows you to you know, solve a problem. I don't know. There's just something, and this could, again, be my age, where there's just something about getting up getting properly dressed to go into an office, to see other people, to, you know, to be on point, bring your best. Um, I just think there's something there. Also, those lunches and those meetings, some of those had to have been with, for lack of better words, the 20-somethings, the people who are brand new to the industry, people brand new to the company, right? You're building that culture. You're helping to impart wisdom. You're helping to help them learn about what they're doing, about how to do it better, about different ways, perspectives, whatever. That's not happening now. How are we helping to basically educate and teach the new people who come into the industry and into your, you know, the company you're working for when everybody's at home? You're 100% right. I uh, just for the record, I'm pro office, kind of like you are. I would definitely like to go in more often than I'm at home. But I think it's a balance. You have to have like there's some days where I'm just like I need to focus. I need to get the scope of work done. So I'm just gonna hunker down in front of my computer and and jam out the stuff. But as you pointed out, a lot of times you can have these impromptu discussions that actually spark new ideas, improve culture, sharing your wisdom with a lot of newer employees that are just coming up the ranks can really help them grow individually. And you can't do that over a Zoom call. I agree. And by the way, for the record, just so everyone kind of understands, when I worked at Red Bull, from my house to Red Bull, door to door, was roughly 13.2 miles. It would take me 45 to 60 minutes in the morning and 60 to 75 minutes at night to get home. So that's a ton of time. Call it two hours a day just in commuting. So it's not like I had a 10-minute commute and I missed being in the office. I had a long commute and I had to fight traffic and everything else because we live in LA and that's what we do. But I still enjoyed that time in the car, whether it was me listening to podcasts, whether it was me having phone calls with people, just thinking about what I needed to get done that day. It just was a way for me to create separation between what work in the office needed to get done and being able to get home and then, you know, concentrate on the family. You know, I, I keep thinking back to, again, when I was at Media Hub, there was a lot of discussions about they were just implementing a return to office policy, which turned out to be a one day a week kind of mandatory thing. There was a situation in all the offices, there were more employees than there were seats. So not every employee could come back to the office at the same time, even if they wanted to, which by the way, nobody did. So I think one of the issues that senior management was grappling with, and this is not just Media Hub, it's all agencies. They felt that number one, culture was being impacted, which was true. Number two, which I disagree with, is they felt like productivity was hampered. And I think there needs to be a recalibration of uh, how productivity is calculated because it's not, it's not hours worked in a physical office. It's 
what your output is and how long did it take to get there? And again, there's a lot of people that need some solitary work to generate the work they're doing. And there is room, you, you need the collaboration, but you also need the, the time to get it done. And I was joking on our, our last discussion about we're all generation sweatpants. And, and I think that the, the difference right now is that there is an opportunity to kind of reevaluate what work is in terms of where it's, where it takes place. And it doesn't have to be a one size fits all. The one thing I didn't like about having a, you need to be in the office on Wednesday, or you need to be office two days a week. I, I'd rather it be more purpose driven. Like I need to be in the office because we have a ideation session or we're working on this new business pitch. Hey, there may be a situation where you're coming in five days a week because you're collaborating with a new business team trying to uh, win a new account. And that is something that drives your in-office participation. And when you're not pitching business, maybe you do some of your work remotely where you're not in five days a week at all. So I think it, it varies depending on what you're actually doing in terms of your daily work. 100% correct. I'm going to take a slight left, same topic. But one of the things is because I've been looking for a job is I will see in the job posting, it'll say, if you live in New York, California, or like Colorado, you'll make $10. If you work in these states, you'll make $8. And like from there on, it you know, kind of separates. I find it interesting now that it's it really is going to come down to cost of living based on where you are for a role, um, which is interesting. And I also find it interesting to say, what if I live, I don't know, just make it up. I live in LA and let's say the job pays $100,000. Great. Well, if the job's fully remote and I want to leave LA and I move to Charlotte, North Carolina, where the cost of living is considerably less, are they going to dock my pay? Are they going to say, you know, Chris, living there and doing the same thing, we're actually only going to pay you $75,000. So before you move, just so you know, we're going to move it. Or what about the opposite? What if I live in Charlotte and I say, I want to live in LA, according to your pay scale, I want to move and get paid more money. Even though my cost of living goes up, I can actually live in a different environment and I want to give it a try. I, I just don't get how these things play out. Yeah. I think that there is going to be salary bands for each of the the different offices and you're going to be adjusted based on where you live. And if you move to one of those different regions, your salary is going to be adjusted. I have a feeling that a lot of employee handbooks are going to stipulate that as part of the employment, like those job postings that you saw on LinkedIn, they probably already have it. If you work in this region, this is your salary range. So one of the companies, I won't say who it was just to be fair, that I have worked for as a client, not sorry, as a client, but as the actual client themselves, every year you do your rostering of, of your talent in your department and you actually had to rank them. Who are your high performers? Who are your mid performers? Who are your low performers? Okay. But now if my team is spread out and I have a high performer in Charlotte and I have a mid performer in LA, to, I want to compensate the high performer because again, I'm being forced to rank these people. Now, next thing you know, I, that Charlotte person, I'm going to be paying an LA salary again because based on output quality of work, not saying the person doesn't deserve to have it because they've earned it, 
But how does that then come into when you start talking about bands? I can't move them up. They're kind of like stuck then at the salary they have. Well, presumably there's room within the band. So if they, if you do want to reward a high performer in a, in a lower cost of living region, they're just going to get bumped up within that, that, that salary band. And if they've hit the top, maybe they need to get promoted in, into a new level, which has a new band. So I think that there's a lot of things you can do. Obviously there's discretionary bonuses and I'm not sure how that is affected by regions, but I, I do feel like companies have either already moved to this paradigm or they're, they're heading there. I think there's been a lot of people who, you know, during the pandemic, it was kind of the wild west. People were moving right and left, sometimes without getting blessings from their employer. They were just moving. And now I think that those people may have been grandfathered in and they're not necessarily subject. I know people who've moved from L.A. to to other states and they didn't get their salary reduced. But I think if they were to change jobs it would be a whole different uh, conversation. Or to your point, the company might come back and say, okay, we've now decided we are going 100% remote. We're creating bands and this is what it is. If you live in these states, no matter where, what your title is, no matter what we've been paying you, it's now X, Y, or Z. I don't know legally if you can do that, but maybe. Well, I think the other thing is you'll have employees who quit and go take another job. I think that they're, if you have a high performer, they're going to be a high performer for some other company. So I think that there's definitely ramifications to imposing hard and fast rules that penalize people just because they've moved to different locations. I do feel like it, it is fair. Like if you set it up and you're hiring somebody brand new for a different region and you have a salary band that's different depending on where they are, then that's, that's totally fine. The one thing I do know, just from when I was at Media Hub, they were taking different taxes out of people's salaries based on where they were living. Well, then you also start getting, which I agree with, but then you also start getting to certain laws. I'm sure that there are different laws in states regarding employee rights, employee whatever, you know, stuff that they're entitled to have, um, which also I would think for a company would get very sticky if you had people all over God's green earth and you're trying to figure out you know, what's the best way, most efficient way to make all this stuff work together. Yeah. And, you know, one other topic that falls under this umbrella about return to office and is, is policing the productivity. Like one of the constant complaints I heard from, from managers was how do I know that they're not screwing off during their work from home? How do I know they're not, you know, painting their living room on, on the company dime. It's like, my response was who cares? Yeah. Like you're, you're judging them on their output. There, there's this old phrase about punching a time clock, which again, predates all of us, but it's literally a physical piece of paper that punched a hole in somebody's time card that had all the times on there that showed when they clocked in and when they clocked out. And the whole return to office thing kind of takes me back to that antiquated measurement of being in the office equates to that's how we know that you're delivering on what we asked. That's not true. It's the output. Well, when we were in the office pre-COVID, that same time clock scenario you're talking about was meetings. How many meetings did you have this week? 
what does it matter how many meetings I had versus how much I actually got done and progressed something as opposed to saying, oh, I had whatever, 26 meetings this week. Okay, great. That entire time you're in meetings, you weren't getting work done. You might be talking about what you need to do, but you're not doing it. Yeah. And to me, there is already a mechanism in place to evaluate somebody's performance. So for example, it's like, I need you to complete these three assignments in this amount of time. And there's a quality expectation of that output. If they're not delivering on that, they're missing their deadlines. The, the work is shoddy. You already have a procedure in place. You put them on probation. You give them a chance to, to make some corrections. And if it, if it doesn't work out, then you separate with that employee. If somebody's not performing, there already is a mechanism to get rid of them. So it doesn't matter whether they're at work or away from work. Yeah, but now you're asking people to really be big boys and big girls and actually have to have weekly meetings with their team, discuss what they're working on, really dig into accountability and how much they're producing and the quality of what they're producing and holding them to it. We've already learned in our previous episode, ghosting, HR department doesn't do this. The, you know, the internal recruiters have a hard time returning emails to people. They just ghost people. We know that we've all worked with people that, oh, when's the last time you had a one-on-one -on -one with your team? And they just look at you blankly and you're like, you need to meet with your people. You need to give them, you know, besides at the end of the year review, which a lot of people also just kind of mail in because they're afraid to give bad news. I just worry about, again, from this whole work from home culture and that we're spending less time with people, are we going to be either A, more callous because it's through a video call and I don't have to worry about if you're really, really upset about it. I don't have to deal with it right into your face because I can just turn off the screen. Or is it getting people to be even more distanced from each other? And so they're just not having those hard conversations. I think good managers will figure out a way. If if the group and, and the group dynamic agrees that a hybrid work environment is the right way to go, they'll figure out a cadence of events where they have scheduled time for weekly meetings. Maybe it's daily. There should be periods where we, you know, they know that they need to be in front of their computer for instant messaging or quick video calls. I think that there is, like I said, there there's an expectation of output within a structured amount of time. How that gets done is up to the team. And if they can't deliver, then you have to go in and figure out, well, this is not working. Then, then we need to figure out a different work environment because it's all about the productivity. I mean, I had this one group when I was working on Hyundai, they were adamant that they could only do their work if they were in person. They, let me rephrase that. They could only do their best work if they were in person. And I was like, great, I don't care. Come in five days a week, knock yourself out. And and the guy I was talking to says, well, what if one person on the team doesn't want to come in? I said, well, you, you make that known as the expectation and you give the reasons why. And if they don't want to come in anymore, maybe you have to get a new employee. I know that sounds harsh, but I think you can hire for whatever works environment or work style is best for you and your team. So as a manager, you're hiring people based on how you think they're going to perform in either a fully remote or hybrid or fully at office on site work environment. 
If you want people who want to come in five days a week, then you hire for that. Yeah, I, I think to your point, it is underneath the requirements. Just like you have whatever else requirement that you might need, you need 10 years worth of you know history in this type of industry or this level or whatever. I think right there in the requirements, it says, to your point, fully remote, partly remote, hybrid, or in the office. And you as the employee can say, or the prospective employee can say, I like that. I like I have to be in the office. I'm okay with that. I will do that or not and just don't apply. I think the biggest problem was after the pandemic. So during the pandemic, 100% of employees were were at home. It was fully remote. Then the pandemics started to end and people were starting to come in. And a lot of those people said, you know, I'm good from home. I don't want to come in. I can actually get 100% of my job done better from home. I don't need to travel, you know, an hour or two hours in a car each way and lose all that time when I could be doing stuff on my couch. So I think that a lot of people were in that environment. Now we're in a new phase where people are changing jobs. And, and to your point, it's about expectations of whatever that job is. Like on interviews that I've gone on, they said, are you okay coming in like two or three days a week, I'm like, sure, no problem. I'm like, oh God, but please, I yes. See- <laughs> yeah, but I think that there's a lot of people out there that that's a deal yeah. breaker for them. But again, it goes back to point of life. I don't have small kids. I don't have a older parent that lives with me, right? I don't have any type of, we'll call it external factor, if you will, that would negate me from besides what I think is going to make me do the best job that might also force a different decision that I might have to take. So I'm very... I guess I'll say fortunate in that way. Right. And that's why I say there's not a one size fits all solution for every employee. Every employee is going to be different. You're going to have some people that live far away and it's a burden for them to drive in, but their job is, it's really uh, accustomed to a fully remote situation. So they don't really need to be in the office. Then you're going to have other people that, it does make sense to them to be in the office for a variety of reasons. So I think that that is something that you have to just look at each employee, each group and make decisions based on that and not have like hard and fast policies that can burden everyone. No, I agree. And while this isn't necessarily what I'll call work from home specific, but the way I manage teams is I actually use the word team, right? Because it is a team. And so for me, team stands for trust, empower, accountability, manage, right? And whether you're working from home, you're working hybrid or in person, it's all the same factors. You have to build trust with your team, both upwards, downwards, sideways, whichever, you know, multifaceted way you're going. You have to make sure that people are empowered, meaning they understand the job, they have the tools to do the job, they have the proper time to do the job. And then it's just accountability. Like you said, hey, I need these three things done by a certain date. If you're having any problems, let me know, because that comes back to the trust and me being able to empower you. And then you're just managing the expectation, right? That's just the manage in the M. And so that's how I just think to your point, it kind of all comes together. Yeah. And you can you can apply that to both people remotely and in the office. Correct. Yeah. So I, again, I it's tough because uh, we're still... In the the way I look at it is there was this pendulum that swung all the way to the left. Everybody was working from home. And before it was all the way to the right where everybody was working five days a week from the office. 
And now I think it's slowly swinging back, but I think it's going to land in the middle. I don't think it's ever going to go back to a situation where everybody's required to work five days a week from an office. And now all of a sudden, there's not a forcing factor anymore. It's kind of like, what is going to be that model or models where things will kind of shift into? And that's what's going to be really interesting because there's there isn't a forcing function anymore. It's going to be what's going to work best. But I think it's going to be work best. It's it, This is the thing that I think frustrates a lot of people. There's not going to be one thing. It's going to be a lot of different groups mm-hmm. figuring it out for themselves on what makes sense. Each company is going to have their own point of view, but ultimately it's going to be the groups within that company that, that make sense. Like I said, if, if you're collaborating on a new launch or a new business pitch, probably going to have a lot more in-office participation. If you're just putting together spreadsheets and other stuff like that, you could probably get away with a few more remote days than in office days. Yeah. But again, not to be wishy-washy productive, productive, maybe being finishing a deck, getting Excel grid done, but getting those people together to talk about what they're working on, to share ideas, to bounce ideas, to talk about things might've actually progressed other things further down the road, you know, that you're just not quite measuring yet on that day. So it's, it's a, it's a very interesting question. And what's going to be really interesting is, I don't know, three, four five years from now, where do things really start to settle in? I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot of flexibility with companies and they don't have hard and fast rules. I do think, again, some companies may say, you know what, we do our best work just using my, that one example, we do our best work when we're together. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, the one other thing I will say, when it comes to the work-life balance, the the one thing we haven't really talked about is the economic aspect. People have been talking about affordable housing shortage, and a lot for a lot of people, moving further away allows them to have a higher quality of life. You mentioned a couple of times on this chat that you you didn't have small kids. Well. For somebody who has small kids or or just kids in general, like it's been great for me to work from home because I get to spend more time with my kids during breaks and just when they come home from school. And that's something I wouldn't get if I was stuck on the freeway commuting all the time. So I think there's definitely mental and quality of life benefits mm-hmm. from the work from home situation. And like I said, it doesn't have to be an either or. It can be both. Yeah, 100%. All right, Chris, uh, any final thoughts? No, this is just a re- this is just an interesting one. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out over the next few years. All right, Chris, uh, on to the next one. Onward and upward.